Welcome, welcome everyone to our double Amuna Tuesday class. We have the opportunity today to have Rabbi Harry Rosenberg in the house in our studio of Yushalayim, Rav Sholem Orish's beautiful, um, wonderful base here to get media and Amuna Global. That's the tagline. We're going to dedicate our 88th class. It's a big deal. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't know what the Rashi Tavis is, Chup or Pach. <laughs> Go figure it out. Every week there's always some relevance to the number. Um, if Harry has an idea, he's a descendant from the Vilna Gaon I just discovered on the way to the class. So he probably has some idea really why this class has to be today, the 88th class of wonderful classes. We don't have the merit still of Orish himself being in the studio, but hopefully after the Chagim, we'll have him back in the studio, full team. But nevertheless, having Harry himself, Rabbi Harry, do his thing with us together, someone who, thank God, I've noticed online, and we'll get into his story in a moment, just going to dedicate a class to a few important things, specifically everyone in the Holy Land, everyone who's following us, you special people out there who join us weekly, it means a lot. Keep sharing, keep giving over the Amuna love. And remember, you can always give feedback and comment, subscribe, follow, all the different good things that people do online, like, give some love. To the full healing, this class is dedicated to be rid of Corona. Would you believe the Carnegie Hall event might get some issues because of Corona? I can't believe it. They're still asking for masks and they're still asking for some other things. So it might be an issue to actually go ahead, which is very sad news because uh, Gedalia was full gun-ho. Um, we're waiting to hear. Never, You never know. Maybe there'll be some exception or maybe it's not as serious as what it seems or maybe we'll just find another venue. But either way, however it goes, we'll do it with Amuna, and that will be Hashem's will. Um, we're going to meant to be doing a big event there with Rav Oresh on November the 6th. But we'll have to, you know, we'll have to go with the flow. This is life. And uh, in 2022, it's a sort of in the back of our mind, even though we thought it was over, we still have to keep praying for Fura for Shlema, specifically also for Rav Sholem Ben Yemna. He should, the Rav should keep having a Fura. His speech should fully return and everything be good. Tehila Rivka Bas Masha, Chanali Bas Simcha is having an important appointment today. Please pray for her full recovery and dedicate today's class to her full recovery. One of our hosts in Brooklyn, the father-in-law, um, Eliel Ben Regina, should have a full I just got a message out of Shabbos about this. Chana Bas Frida, also a full and remember, these classes elevation to the son of uh, Gedalia Fenster, Yerach Medina ben Gedalia. Unfortunately, uh, the yacht site, first yacht site, I missed out on being there in person, but we heard amazing things. Chanasa uh, Sefer Torah and all the good things going on over there as an Ilya Nishmas for his beautiful soul. Uh, we appreciate your dedication to our Muna class. We appreciate our friend here joining us. And we've already got through the uh, Amazing month of Elul. We're now already in Masa Bereshis, the climax to Elul. Cafe Bereshis is tonight, first day of creation. Today's Khaftale, the Chovetz Chaim's yacht site should be a merit for us, his holy soul. And we thank you, Hashem, for joining us. Now, before we go into our feedback, let's hear who is Harry Rosenberg. Your choice. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I guess I'm Harry Rosenberg. I feel grateful to be alive. Um, Amazing. That's where I am right now. Amazing. And uh, from Queens, New York, made oh. Aliyah to Israel about 10 years ago. Wow. And I'm on a journey. I'm on a mission. Amazing. I want to hear more about your mission. We've been to Queens with Chazak. I don't know if you've come into sure. contact. 
with uh, Chazak, we have Yaniv and, and Robbie. They've hosted us in, in the shul there, in the big queen shul. And I also went there to Ezra Academy years ago with Nissen Black to to do a, to, yeah, I think he spoke there. That, that was what we did in Queens. So, uh, Hashem, you know, I've had my moments there, but how did you get from Queens to Yushalayim? It's a big jump. It's a huge jump. Um, actually, how did I even get from public school in Queens to Yeshiva in Queens? Was okay, the first so there's jump. a story before <laughs> that, yeah. But, um, to make it to Israel, um, I had a vision to get land and to own certain types of land in Israel, you have to be a citizen. Oh. So I was willing to get land and be an American, but the fact that you have to be a citizen here to own land in Israel, wow. that was it for me. And I jumped ship. Wow, As I, wow, wow. I cashed out. Wow, wow, wow. Big, big merit to you to be able to do what many others are still struggling to do. And even more so right now. I mean, the pricing and everything has gone crazy. So, uh, Everyone was warned years ago by certain Rabonim, like you got to make it here as soon as possible. And Harry took them up on it. So how did you become a rabbi? I took a good test. I'm a good test taker. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I was in Yeshiva for about uh, seven, eight years straight. Wow, wow, and wow, wow. Uh, just staging. Wow. And I felt like you should, we can't quantify the information. We have a moral responsibility to help our people who are in the exile. Amazing. And um, it's not easy because, you know, I have stage fright. No one wants to be you know, there for everyone else, wow. but I, don't know. I, I thought I thought just based on your energy online, you're totally like confident and ready and like <laughs> such a good vibe, you know, like I didn't think are you, is this like nerve wracking? I mean, this is a very small level in terms of stages, but uh, no, I don't, so I don't yeah. get nervous. I'm very relaxed, oh, very okay, calm. Cool. I'm at peace for many cool. years already straight, um, about 16 years in a state of peace. Oh. But at the same time, I would much rather be on an island somewhere with a harp, just hiding from the world. Okay, but we it, have man. to go out there and we have to um, spread these things. Well, wow. so in a way, this is a high level because uh, we'll get to our feedback now to prove the point. Um, Rav Mayor Schuster, someone who literally had changed my life. I came here over 22 years. I haven't actually gone into this story so much on this platform of all the years of teaching. I think I've done a few, a few hundred classes here now. And I actually don't don't remember mentioning this, but Maya Schuster was the person who opened a place called the Heritage House all those years ago in the old city. And I wandered in there with trying to look for a friend who was in the army. Um, his This friend now is very successful with a big uh, company and a criticized amazing company. Anyway, I was looking for him and I ended up in Aish and the Aish guy, a guy there said he's not here, he's gone off on a trip, but you can go to this place, the Heritage House, they look after you, Maya Schuster's house. And he welcomed us in. Uh, for you know people traveling and it changed my life it was the first time I ever put to fill in on like in in Yushalayim and the first time I had a proper Seder night you know in terms of all the halachas and started going to yeshiva and it was really the place which set me off to Osamech, to Eish, to my journey of tshuva so what I wanted to connect it to what you're saying is Ramey Shuster apparently is, was was a, you know as, as was a complete introvert so he was so introverted and so didn't want to do his shlichus. And the fact that he forced himself day after day, like many of my friends told me, it didn't happen to me, but they, he, they ta- he got a tap on the shoulder at the Kotel and then he like opened their hearts through praying to Hashem and mm. through, he had a way of communication. He went against his nature and that, what they said in his biography and people who knew him well, that was the keys to his success, going again and again against his nature to help another person. And that, I thought that was a profound point. So, yeah, so you're doing that, Rabbi Harry, uh, which is, I wouldn't have known that, so thank you for sharing. We want to give some feedback. Thank you, Hashem. 
Happy Rosh Hashanah, Rebbe. I live in Brazil. Remember, this is a global class. I, I love Rav Oresh and Breslev, Rav Nachman, Mashiach now, Amen. Smile. Yes, we've been talking a lot about smiling. It's something I've been told again and again by the by my Rebbe, the Tolna Rebbe, that's my Rebbe, Rav Oresh, by all many Sadiqim, friends, most importantly, my wife, to smile more. Yeah. So here the guy wrote smile. Yeah, because we spoke about it. Ravelli, thank you so much for all the classes you shared with us this year. The guests, music, and teachings were such an inspiration. Mashem allow you to continue to spread Amuna globally. Wishing you and all your family an amazing new year. Happy Rosh Hashanah, Rav. Wow, what a chizuk that is. Uh, Rav Shalom Morishan family as well. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Very practical advice, beautiful class. Shalom Rabbi from Sydney, Australia. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Shalom from Germany. So we've got Sydney, Brazil, Portugal, Australia, it's everywhere. Thank God. Germany. Thanks, Ellie. Breslau teacher, a great addition to my daily Chabad classes. So this guy is getting chizuk from Chabad over there in Germany, as well as our classes. Very impressive image with bright stars. Very good image of joy. That was talking about the fun backgrounds we choose. And awesome feedback coming daily. Thank you sincerely. Baruch Hashem, I'm loving this. That was Abelo's class, his second coming. Made a joke. Called it the second coming. <laughs> so I spoke about Hashem's greatness there. Anyway, our guests are such great energy, sincere soul. So we're going to go now a little bit more to hear from Rabbi Harry Rosenberg, what his connection is. I don't know this, so we're going to find out his connection to uh, Chabad, to Breslov, to, to Judaism. Like if he can give us some insight what, and uh, what, what really turned you on in, in the deepest way. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, as we spoke about before, I'm a descendant of the Vilna Gon, wow. which is um, you know Lithuanian pillars of a Torah wow. study. Wow. Um, but it happens to be that my rabbi today and my spiritual pursuits is in the Hasidic movement. I assume um, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit like our friends in Germany. I pull yeah. a lot of inspiration from um, Chabad and Breslov. Uh, but I would say you know Rabbi Nachman uh, was a pillar of spiritual strength in my life spent many years um you know in svat studying some breast of torahs wow i give a place. shir every week on shabbat on uh kitzur lakute maharan on the wow. and, is that in baka yeah in baka amazing and um i, I, re- I yeah. met someone called tamir goodman from there this good friend of mine i thought so i think i remember seeing a pictures of you with him and uh i met i had actually met him meet him over there in that area in, in uh um, Rafaim, uh, what's it called? Amek Rafaim, and it was very special to talk to him. He's really kind, and he's offering to help and help and help. And and uh, thank God he ended up connecting more with my holy brother Nissan Black. And special person, you know. Yeah, we do a massive yeah. Kiddush and Bach every Shabbat, and I wow. get to see uh, see him walk by. Wow, good. He's a tall dude, <laughs> literally great, a great dude. Okay, so. Uh, in terms of uh, being also named after the Vilna Gon, Elio, um, Rav Elio, I suppose we should say, Rav Elio Ben Shlom, I think his name was. Um, and now we have the Chovetz Chaim's outside today. Um, do you still resonate with that Masori, with that ancestry? For sure. Um, yeah. Mostly because I think that the integration between the two, it wasn't its right time, which is kind of what we believe. Um, but the Vilna Gon put out some crucial foundations that we need for the redemption on a geopolitical level, whether it's dealing with the Erev Rav or what are we supposed to do when we come back to the land, and also the seriousness of the study of Torah and the beauty of it. 
that a human could look into the Torah and get lost for 10 to 14 to 20 hours of joy and wow. something must be going on in there that he saw that we're locked out of. So yeah. I pull a lot of inspiration because, you know, this was an individual that people used to line up to watch him study and, wow. and et cetera. And his words are coming true today. Very prophetic, I think his words were. Yeah, he was a very huge going, as they call it, literally. And they also called him a chassid as well. And the Allah Chassid, so he had within him, and it's funny because the Balatanya, someone was saying to me yesterday, it was called the Litvak. So it's just interesting how Hashem works it out in the end. All the different groups have certain common places of connection, you know, through the Torah, through Chassidus, through Panemius, through the inner light. Um, that's personally my whole thing is united souls, um, which is to bring souls together and find that soul language, which connects us all. So we don't get caught up with the uh, labels and the limitations of communication. Unfortunately, that's happening in a massive way online. So we have to try to tune into that. Um, one of the questions that came up, Uman Rosh Hashanah updates. What's the story? So you're going, you know? No. I don't know. I, I run a minion in my neighborhood. Oh. So that's where my shlichus is. Okay, amazing. Um, You've been? I haven't been yet. Okay, so I want to tell you very short, we're just, since it's, this is an opportunity people always asking, especially this time of year, about Uman Rosh Hashanah. So the Rav is on his way, Rav Shalom Marish, thank God, is, is flying soon to Uman. Actually, not, you can't go direct, as we discussed before the class. He has to go to Romania first and travel around 20 hours or so to get there, which is a big you know, schlep, but people are doing it to Bulgaria, to other such places, to Moldova. I'm hearing all different reports and people are sending pictures and it's going to be exciting to hear everyone made it there safely, and hopefully returned safely. Yeah. Um, someone said it's more dangerous for me not to go. That's the famous statement going around. I think the Rav himself, and we had put up a clip of the Rav talking about the promise of Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman says, and you can go check those out. There's small clips on our TikTok and other platforms where the Rav discusses Uman Rosh Hashanah for this year. And he's basically saying everyone should go um, who, who wants, who needs to go, who has a connection to Rabbi Nachman, understands what the light is there, etc. Personally, I went there my first time through Nissan Black. He slapped me there. Uh, sort of not against my will, but sort of very much encouraged it, made it happen. As I started managing him, I thought it'd be a good way to connect. And we did connect there, thank God, and begin our journey together. I mean, we already knew each other from 2011, but that was a very bonding trip, traveling together and spending all that time. That was the beginning, obviously, many other trips. Um, and uh, Uman Roshana, I had the pleasure to meet um, Rav Oresh and Rav Brody and all the other breast of him in those days. Rav Brody actually is not so involved right now, Rav Laser Brody, but the other Rabbonim, you know, obviously they're, they're going to probably be there, Rav Maimon, and uh, last year I was staying in his hotel, it was very special there. And obviously the last few years I've been by Rav Oresh and Davin and his minion, he has a beautiful shul there, I recommend anyone check it out. Hopefully we'll have a class there from that shul going live, a proper live feed with the Rav himself. That's a special, exciting announcement. Um, we have Rav Dian Elgood translate or Rav Ralph Cohen. I'm going to get an update from them once they get to Uman. Everything's, you know, a bit last minute. But we do have the team there and the facilities to be able to set it up. So hopefully it will be an amazing live feed class. Stay tuned for it on Breads of English. And uh, just uh, right now, we are a bit earlier than usual. We're actually about an hour earlier. So, uh, you know, about 30, 40 minutes earlier. So the point is that a lot of our U.S. friends aren't online yet. So you, whoever's watching this later on, remember to say something because we will see it later as well after the fact. Uh, comment on the video and we can try answer after the fact on the Facebook Live. 
Again, someone else, Amunator, how do we make an appointment with the Rav? So these are just questions that people are asking because we're going to New York. We have some posters here. I mean, the quality is not so amazing with the printing is what it is. Got another one here. It's a little bit better with the black and white. Yeah, we'll have to one day get a proper printer, print these out. But you know, everything nowadays is sent digitally anyway. So who cares about the printing? The point is that we'll be in New York the 4th of November. Meetings are available in Brooklyn and the 6th of November. Obviously, Shabbat is going to be private. Uh, we're by Rabbi Eliam Ansor, Rabbi Yaakov Haber, Rabbi Malkiel. You know all these rabbis? Yeah. We're going to be by a lot of special rabbonim in Brooklyn. Um, personally, it's going to be my first experience meeting them because we haven't made it to Brooklyn with the Rav. All the years we've gone, for some reason, it just kept getting missed. We ended up in Miami, ended up in Mexico City, ended up in, in Houston, all different places. And we just didn't end up in Brooklyn. Even though we were in New York, we were in Manhattan, but we didn't make it to Brooklyn. So we're going to meet all these special rabbis, Rev. David Asher, who's written also books on Vermuna, Living Amuna, and series. And, you know, so we're going to be in a great opportunity to connect some really special people. And our host, Isaac, and his family should be blessed. Then we're going to go on to Monsi. So Monsi have the opportunity to meet with around much more time and we'll be by Shiner's community over there. Um, we'll be there from the 7th till the full team. So you have almost a full week to make those meetings happen and just contact me, details below. You can partner with the tour, munalive.com. We'll have hopefully live feeds and all the classes we do and the announcements of the classes will come soon. As I said, the Gedalia one's still being worked out. So just stay tuned, keep praying that it comes together and I really hope it will be amazing. Don't forget one more thing before we go again to our, our wonderful guest. We are following up this class of a new light. It's a special book, uh, learning from Rav Shalom Morish's books, all about the garden of yearning and will. We're going to continue that series uh, together after this class at th not 3.30. Usually it's 3.30. Tonight we're going together with infinite light, the, inf the light of infinite, excuse me, of uh, Diwan Eris Sapphire. You know Eris Sapphire? Good friend of mine. Oh. So I think you were on it last time, yeah? So we're going to be joining this festival at 11.30 Israel time, 11.30 p.m. So we're actually going much later. So 11.30 a.m. was now. 11.30 p.m. will be the Double Amuna Tuesday uh, with my follow-up class in collaboration with the Light of the Infinite Festival, thanks to uh, Diwan and his wonderful team. And it's going to be an amazing opportunity to meet new people through his platforms and also we'll go live on our platforms also. So it's a nice uh, a very exciting meeting of light and uh, Breslov and Amuna and all the different things that we do together. OK, so let's now hear a bit more about Rabbi Harry. And the question that they want to know from Rabbi Harry is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Sukkot, Simcha Satoira explored. What is the best focus we can have? I mean, this is coming this Sunday. I mean, Sunday night. You know, this whole Tishrei is beginning. So please go ahead. Uh, I'd love to share. It's just a nice little thought. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Amazing. Um, this thought st sticks with me every uh, Rosh Hashanah period, and it really is strong, and it helps me. So we learned something very interesting from the Egyptian exile. And first of all, it's interesting, because on the high holidays, we're always referencing Egypt. Mitzrayim, to remember Egypt. So what's going on over here? And I think one of the biggest lessons of Egypt we learn from Tzvardea, the plague of frogs. So we're taught in, um, from our Masora, from our sages, that originally it was one big frog, hmm. and they came and they started to hit it, and it multiplied into millions and millions of frogs. Wow. So what do we learn from this? 
that the Aramaic word for frog, tzvardea, or the Hebrew word, which really in Aramaic could be broken into two different words, would be tzafra and dea, which means tzafra morning and dea's thought. So we learned from Hasidus that the first thought you think of in the morning is actually just one big thing wow. that gets rippled into your whole entire day. Like the one frog became like a million frogs. That first thought you think of when you wake up in the morning, you're stuck a little bit in that mood for the whole entire day, which wow. is obviously very strategic. Why we say Moda'ani and we wake up with some gratitude so we can have a general mood of uh, being grateful throughout the day. Yeah, the attitude of gratitude, something we talk about a lot. Exactly, but we also learn the secret that it's not just the first thought of the day. It's the first of anything is the is what stretches into the rest of the things. Wow. So I always tell people, you know, especially how, how to be strategic now in these time periods, you know, it's the first of something. This is when we can fake it till we make it. We could just try to be something even that we know it's not realistic for us, even though we can't carry it. Because just like that pinball machine, when the ball goes over that little arrow and it like hyperspeeds the ball and it goes super fast, we're going into that hyperspeed period now where it shoots us. And um, just to end, I thought, I thought it was interesting because Yom Kippur is like, we always say Yom Kippurim, like Yom Kippur is like, like Purim, like Purim is something greater. Wow. So what's the connection between Purim and these holidays? Is you could put on an outfit on Purim, you could be someone you're not. So that's why we say, hey, this is the first thought of the day. Just say say a grateful thought, even if you're not a grateful person, even if you're an angry person. Like, fake it till you make fake it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Put on your costume. Put on your Purim costume in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur because really it could stretch. Of, if you want to learn, like, that extra five minutes a day or to do this extra book or to give a little extra tzedakah, like, now's the time to do it because when it comes time for April 2023 and you're in a little slump, God forbid, you could pull in from that energy that you activated on. Uh... Well, that goes perfectly into the next uh, question. How do we bring these uh, these energies and focuses into the days ahead? We had a similar question last week that affect the rest of the year, 5783. Obviously, this is something which people are like into the holidays, but then how do they make it relevant? Like you said, in the middle of April or somewhere, how do they make it real for the whole year? Um, so yeah, this is integration. Um, it's a little bit like when you have those guys who are making this clay pot and it's like turning at high speeds. Yeah. All you'd really do is like put your finger for like one second and wow. it creates like a whole new design in the thing. Wow. So like all I did was one little poke of my finger, but now there's like a whole cir circumference of a circular shape that I put into this. It's the same thing with these holidays. Yeah. These are times where we can do things that get magnified. So, you know, focus all your energy leading up to holidays of who you want to be, what you want to do. Don't even do anything yet. Just what it is like. Wow. And then when those holidays come, strike do a little something different do a little something extra and then pull back you don't have to do anything else because we don't have the koach we don't have the strength to do much anymore we could do little micro acts so combine your micro act on these auspicious times of the holidays and i think the integration is somewhat automatic it's like ai it'll play out for you in your april wow so just by internalization we get ability to awaken that energy throughout the year amazing so um, one of the questions that could sort of be connected is what do you do like for yourself and for your, you know, your personal Yom Tov? How do you sweeten the, the experience? Like Rosh Hashanah, people get nervous, it's a heavy day, Yom Kippur, it's been not such an easy year for a lot of people. How do you sweeten it for yourself? What's your personal mm -hmm. way? Um, well, I have different strategies for each one. In my, um, in my Ruffs community, there's a Masora. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a Kiddush Hasid. I'm okay. very big on Kiddush. Nice. Um, I believe Jews should always be getting together, not necessarily drinking alcohol. Do you and call it drunk. for bringing or no Kiddush? Kiddush. Um, yeah, because yeah, I'm not Chabad enough really to call it a for bringing, even okay. though we do for bring. Yeah. Um, 
but I believe in the power of getting people together for fine taste bud experiences and good vibes and oh. learning Torah while eating. So, because everyone likes a little content, you know, people eat their meal and they want to watch a show or they want to watch consume something. Sure. So I think kiddush and learning together is a beautiful thing. So in Rosh Hashanah, we make a minion in my neighborhood with a kiddush that just fills us up with so much love and energy. Oh. So oh. knowing that like we're together and we're gonna have these experiences, I think really helps. Um, for me personally, Yom Kippur, always a little side read. Something that's very interesting to you that you want to read always helps. Um, so it doesn't feel too overwhelming, the energy of the day and the prayer services. So you have right. something to sort of send to you, ground you. Yeah, and I was just learning yeah. that uh, in the Talmud, in the Gemara, Yom, um, yeah. dealing with Yom Kippur, it's really about not afflicting yourself and suffering, but resting. Wow. It's really about resting. And resting what from being an animal, from our body, you know, just Whoa. today's the day to be a soul. So it's like, you look at not being able to eat, not being able to do these things as punishment. So we have to suffer. It's like, no, that's actually torture for your soul. You just don't realize it. Whoa. So today we just want you to be a little bit of your soul. Wow. And uh, one of the questions that came to mind, do you have any message for our friends who are not here with you in Baca and your beautiful sweet Kiddush and you shall say all your friends are still back in America or family or people you care about? Like, what what would you say for them who don't maybe have such an amazing community or opportunity? What would you what would be your advice if they message you now? Like, well, what do I do? I, you know, you know my situation. I'm not so because we do have a lot of people here who live in communities, you know, not as strong as Yushalayim mm -hmm. and, and say Queens or something. First things first, if you're uh, someone in the exile, um, you know, especially in yesterday's uh, Tanya, I think it was. Send some money to the people learning Torah in Israel. It's the best uh, protection you could do for yourself. Well, we agree with that. <laughs> um, send some money to the breastlift. com guys. We it all goes to the Rav's institutions and you know and learning and and start bringing Amuna yeah. global. Just to create yourself, like to get protected in the exile in your personal life. Yeah. Make sure part of your portfolio includes supporting Torah that is being learned in Jerusalem and Israel. So at least your wow. purpose of why you were in the exile. Um, Secondly is don't sell yourself short on wanting some people don't want big enough like I understand Maybe you can't make it here yet because you have a grandmother in the store and your kids and their neighbors yeah. and you play a role in your community But do you even want to come? Oh. So like yearn just want it. That's it. That's what we're gonna talk about later the power of yearning and will Yeah, we'll get it on the video of Facebook as well. He perfectly plugged what we're doing <laughs> you, you must be feeling the energy over here. It's just a uh, that you were already there anyway. So uh, that's an amazing advice. The power of will and comes a lot through prayer and Spodidus and Spodidus. I want to mention, remember for Spodidus, we have the pamphlet, another one. We're giving a whole set to our guest and meeting with the king. And we have all the books here. Thank God, a whole pile for our guests to remember to apply the teachings. People keep asking me questions. I was in Frat this Shabbos with the Shlomo Katz community. It was beautiful. And one of the special people there asked me, he said, look, I'm a I've got the Garden of Gratitude and it's an amazing book and I'm applying it. But what do I do by, you know, the fact, you know, this it's a very standard question to the Rav. It comes in the 88 classes we've done and 70 something of them with the Rav. This question must have come up about 10 times about, you know, if I'm thanking Hashem for everything. So how do I thank Hashem for everything and everything's for the good and yet pray for things that aren't good? How does that work? Because it seems to be a contradiction. So that was the question he asked. He also mentioned that, you know, the, he would love the Rav to come to Frat. So we'd, we'd hope to make that happen. But the concept of Espodidus, what the simple answer is, and that's what we've heard from this in Black, from the Rav, from all the different students of the Rav, 
the idea of applying the teachings. The only real way you can understand the concepts of gratitude to Hashem is to actually apply it and do it. Is build that relationship with Hashem daily through Esparudas, through talking, and that will create the vessel to understand the relationship. Because the understanding comes nasa v'nishma. You first have to do to understand. So to learn the books intellectually is not going to be the same thing as applying it. And then from there, it gets deeper and deeper. And Nisim says, for me, this, the books of, say, Garden of Shalom is, is a waste of time and waste to read if you just intellectualize it. And that has been done, unfortunately. People have done it publicly on podcasts and have even, you know, God forbid, showing like Hisnagdus, like against the teachings of Rabbi Osh, because they've intellectualized it, because it's not, it's not an intellectual book. It's an applied teaching. You have to live it to understand it. People are like, but I don't know why. Why can't you just read it and just understand it for the sake of it? No, you have to apply it. So, so too with the with the uh, garden of gratitude, which is a beautiful concept, and the idea of thanking Hashem for everything. That I'd like to hear a little bit. What does Rabbi Harry say about that concept and that question? The steer of thanking Hashem for the not good, and yet at the same time still feeling comfortable to ask for things. Um, so you're saying that we're we're praying for things that are good and being grateful for things, but even though some things don't appear to be good, that's right. And yet you're thanking Hashem for that, but you, one you don't feel so genuine about that because really you want it to change. The first issue I think yeah. is when we become connoisseurs in identifying what's good and not good. Um, we're overstepping our boundaries. Uh, that's like someone going into a doctor's office and suggesting what to do during a surgery. We don't know what's good and not good. We ha- at this point, we have a general assumption that everything is good. So the question itself would be a contradiction towards true Rabbi Nachman Hasidic thinking. There is no such thing that it's really not good. Yeah, but he's sick. He's a- it's already happening, so accept it. You know, it's, it, it, it's part of reality. Being in denial about something and assuming it's not good really just ruins your experience on this planet and misaligns yourself with reality. I always like to think, you know, when Esther was sent into the palace um, during the time of Purim, how many Jewish families could have been like, this is such an embarrassment for her family to be Zion. She's, you know, from a royal Sanhedrin family. Now she's in the palace doing who knows what. It's disgusting. Her, her generations will be tarnished, you know. You don't know what's good. How do you know? Hmm. Um, we don't know the ways of Hashem. So the freest thing we could do for our mental health and for our experience on this planet is just let go and assume everything is all good. We're not in control. Yeah. So to be in your brain saying this is good and this not good is already a very dangerous thing because for all you know you could be completely flipped on the opposite side and you've spent x amount of years in your life uh, attaching to a reality that has nothing to do with anything that's real and so i try to keep the thoughts in my brain um out of speculation land and into what i know for sure and i know for sure everything is good and that personally frees me from having to make my own assessments well and then also thanking hashem is more like authentic and genuine yeah yeah makes sense so this is something which we all have to really work on to understand so everyone out there let's let's dedicate a bit more time to thanking hashem for everything and seeing salvations as as the rav brings down you know just by saying thank you we'll see for salvations and sometimes i i'm personally i'll be honest yeah like i'll just speak for a second that i i'm angry sometimes at my situation or upset with the way hashem is moving things that's my lack of amuna, and I have to work and ask Hashem to help me. As Rav Oresh always says, Tain amuna. give me amuna, Hashem. Help me have more amuna to, under, to, 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 to be able to let go and to be able to do what you're saying. And 
to to accept everything is for the good and so then i can calm down and center and come to that place that you were talking about earlier about tranquility and that's like a beautiful uh goal i think for everybody um there's another question here um no actually i think we're pretty good all, all your questions have been answered so the the next part of the class really i'm just going to let rabbi harry now take us on a little journey what would he like to hear from from himself and and how do we get hold of him and what, what are his plans for the future and how we can help Kleisel, like, and how we can hear about it and thereby help him achieve that. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. You can always find me at RabbiHarry.com. Great. I have a timeline of all the different little contributions and things I've made in the in this world. Amazing. Um, first, I just want to say to begin that Rav Arush's Torahs were a very big part of my spiritual development. Amazing learning that uh, you know the man is uh, the, the sun and the wife is the moon and the reflection off the wife is how the man has to see himself and never to get angry criticize his wife but just look at what reality is telling him and he'll know how to fix himself these are crucial things humans have to know and discuss sure. um, so I was very grateful just for that that information that I was able to pull out of the book yeah. which better than my mental health Amazing. but um, the work that I'm involved in somehow coincidentally is stuff that the Vilna Gaon was passionate about in his oh. lifetime and oh. um, not on purpose. I didn't realize I was a descendant of the Vilna Gaon until after I realized what my passions were vis-a-vis wow. uh, -vis how to bring the Geula, how to bring the redemption. What's your Hebrew name? Svi Yoel. Svi Yoel. So I'm actually named after the Vilna Gaon, Eliol. That was my God-given name. I, it's a whole story. I ended up with the Eliezer name, which ended up being Eliol Eliezer, which is Rav Dessa's name. So. Mm. I went on a journey with my names, but Eliol was what I was called at the Bris. And uh, yeah, it was uh, Zayda who was named after Vonnegan. So uh, yeah, so we have a connection in that sense. I mean, you're actual flesh and blood. I don't know if I am. I think I have Mishpocha with Vitebska and also with the uh, Semachsedek, some sort of, there's some family stories that go back. From I've come to the conclusion to be alive yeah. today, you'd have to have some type of Zachut Avot, merit yeah. of your ancestors. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, so I ended up, um, as you know, to finish off the message to the Jews in the exile or anyone in the sure. exile I didn't get to finish, was that um, I did, I got a big plot of land up north wow. as part of a dream or a vision to when they get more land. Wow. And to create a situation where making Aliyah or moving to Israel um, is much more accessible, affordable for people, that you don't have to figure out how you're going to get an apartment and how you're going to pay for your groceries. When you have so much land, it should be easy for humans to figure this out and wow. to create a system where um, you could have your human capital instead of, you know, capital, capital, money, capital to contribute. So I hope that one day um, to continue what I'm doing in the footsteps of the Vilna Gon, whose main dream was to make it to Israel. Oh, yeah, his students were sent here, weren't they? They were sent here and he was quoted saying, if only I could make it just to like take an apple or a fruit from a tree and make wow. a blessing on a tree, wow. my life would have been complete. And this is a man who had access to every piece of information in the entire world and was just wow. concerned about eating a piece of fruit in a specific piece of land. And uh, for us to be wow. here today, you know, I usually go try to go back in time and think about what he would think about knowing his descendants are here getting land and building eco-villages and trying to help people um, settle in comfort without the financial stress that comes with it would be very meaningful for him. So he sent his students here, and the first thing his students did when they got to Tzvat, I think it was Rabbi Yisrael of Shklav, they wrote, uh, they said, first of all, we need to make a Sanhedrin and bring the Geula and bring the redemption. Amen. But they said, we cannot do that until we find uh, the Bnei Moshe, the, the missing tribes of the lost tribes, quote-unquote, oh, wow. of Israel. Also, that connects you to Rudy? 
He came in a little bit later, but oh. we, we 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 have a. a we've had Rudy here. Rudy's a, yeah the best person for it because he's handsome enough yeah. to be the face of something so great, you know, <laughs> uh, such a movement. No, you're, you're, you're pretty handsome. Yourself. <laughs> it's, it's all about seeing the soul level. That's yeah, what... but I have the stage fright. He doesn't, so I'm so happy when he oh, came into the so picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, Rudy, we need you. Um, it was very funny. But uh, the first thing I did was write this letter and. Uh, Basically, before we say Shmona Esra every day, us Ashkenazim Jews, not Sephardic Jews, we say Tzur Yisrael, Kumabez, Yisrael, Kunumecha, Yehuda, V'Yisrael. There's two separate entities in the future that have to get worked back together. Then Yehuda, which is us, Nefesh Yehudi Homiyaz, we yeah. say the Judeans. Yeah. We're from the Judeans, and the soul and the people of Israel, which the Vilna Gon wrote extensively about, basically as a prerequisite for the exile, there has to be some unification. Um, I don't, I don't, it's what separates me and, and I think with Rudy now also with our work from other organizations in this yeah. field, this has nothing to do with conversion, the right of return, spreading Judaism to, or trying to convince people to become Jewish in Africa and Afghanistan. I see this as a humanitarian operation that there's a hundred million people now in the world that self-identifies being from the tribes of Israel. Well, what that we, many, hundred thousand, uh, a hundred million, hundred million. Yeah. Between just between Afghanistan and Nigeria, there's a hundred million people. There's only uh, officially 15, 16 million Jews. Like, well, we're like, the remnants of the Second Temple period of the people who came back with Ezra and Nehemiah. So we're the remnants of the remnants of the remnants. Small amount of people yeah. compared to the, how many other identify. Correct. 100 million. That's like uh, whatever the percentage would be five, six, seven times more. So they don't identify, yeah. self-identify as Jews, but descendants of the missing tribes wow. of Israel. Wow, wow, wow. Totally different than a Jew, different. And uh, what, this is throughout the world? So they're in India or in Africa? Well, and... um, so about 12 years ago, I started uh, creating a map of where all the people were who say oh, they wow. are, and wow. you could actually see the footsteps of the tribes of Israel from Israel towards Japan. Oh. Um, that doesn't mean 20,000 Israelites reached Japan and, and settled it, but it's very likely we learn from the stories of uh, Joseph, Yosef, and Esther. These are two Israelites that were sent to far-flung regions of the world by themselves wow. and somehow were smart enough to rise to power with Hashgacha Pratis, Divine Providence. Wow. And uh, so I think that probably happened all throughout the Silk Road, throughout the exile. You would have had Israelites, you know, who were merchants. showing up. Yeah, mm -hmm. merchants. A good businessman goes to a town and he sees, wait a minute, you guys are walking one mile each day to go get your water from the river. Mm -hmm. I know a system, you know, we could do it. And they, wow, we have a smart man over here. Yeah. Come, why don't you advise the king? Mm -hmm. All he takes is one meeting with an Israelite and the king for the king to say, don't leave my side. I need, yeah. I need you around. Oh. He's going to marry the king's daughter, and so on and so forth. This likely happened. And according to the Arizal, also, he says, to do the rectification of going to the four corners of the world, certain places only will need one person. Oh. So what I see when I look at the people of Japan who are the oldest monarchy in the world, 2,700 years old, and oh. claim to be a chosen nation from an exiled people who have a, a temple on Mount Moriah with three chambers today with their oh. golden ark on four poles and golden birds today in Japan, oh. I don't necessarily think that the lost tribes of Israel as a, as a large reach Japan, but it's very likely all their mosaic customs and traditions came from an Israelite who was a good businessman on the Silk Road. Because wow. um, we know they went to Afghanistan from the Tanakh, from their exile. And also Avram Avina also sent his, his uh, the sons of... So that would explain yeah. a little bit about, um, let's say, Hinduism, for yeah. example, which predates um, most cultural booms on the Silk Road a thousand yeah. years. Yeah. But if you look at the exile of the tribes of Israel, which happened 2,700 years ago, within 100 years of that, you see the Pashtun people form 
which another word this for is Pashtun in the, is in Afghanistan. Afghanistan yeah. yeah, another word for Pashtun is Bani Israel, the children of Israel. Why are they? Um, why are they part of the Taliban now? Or? No, so the Taliban would be foreign money and foreign influence that's taking Pashtun boys out of their homes from young ages and radicalizing them. Wow. So Pashtun tribal elders will hate the Taliban and wow. consider them infiltrators of their culture and their. Wow. And uh, very dangerous. And uh, they make up also a minority of the country. And the, the Jewish people, obviously, we have an obligation one day to assist them. We'll discuss how. Um, just to finish this thought, if you go from Afghanistan oh. and see within 100 years of the tribes of Israel, Pashtun form, uh, then Buddhism is formed. And the first two students of the Buddha were Afghan Pashtun. So we're dealing with, you know, one year these people are offering their kids to their gods on the mountaintops to get rain and the second year they're talking about trying to reach nirvana and a state of peace in the mind mm. and then you see shintoism so shintoism buddhism and pashtuns all formed within 100 years of the travels on the silk road mm. and you could actually see um boop, 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 these little dots all the way to japan of people who say that we come from the tribes of israel and uh, even the b'nai menashe who came back to israel uh from uh, mizra and manipur wow so all the major religions like including say buddhism and you just mentioned a few more um, they all have connections somehow to Jewish souls who went out. You know, Israelite souls, because the Judeans stayed. But uh, yeah. yes, it would be it would be obvious to anyone who looks at it as an elephant in the room. They're founded oh. the same year, same place, same time. Speaking I about mean, there's very... so many boo Jews or whatever they call them, you know. Of course, because there's searching... mindfulness, and they're all run by Jewish personalities and yeah. souls, and so obviously they're definitely resonation, you know. And when I when I have like Tim Ferriss, like I listen to his podcast. And he'll talk about his tremendous admiration for the Japanese culture and their principles and values. And then he'll talk about um, the culture, say, that's just two seconds of, uh, you know, the, the fact that the mindfulness movement and he'll like say they all sound like a group of lawyers or the ones who ran it, you know, the names because they're all Jewish, you know, Goldstein and this kind of like it's obviously there's a theme, like even people in the world sort of sense there's some sort of Jewish presence in all these things. And now with technology, the major founders of, of uh, Facebook and other places is the Jews. You know? right. uh, Google was originally founded by a Jew, as far as I heard. I remember, uh, what's his name again? Uh, I his name. But uh, is it, you know what, it's it's a Jewish dude. Though. But then obviously Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook. And you know I don't know about Twitter if it was Jews, but there's definitely probably Jews working there, I assume. Anyway, that's a bit of a nightmare platform. But um, you know, so we've definitely been been influential and in all the development of history. The question is now, how do we bring it back? Like we're going to blow the show for Rosh Hashanah. We're going to like pray for the Tikashok for Godel, and it's a kibbutz goli. It's a gathering of all the exiles. How do we practically? I understand what you're saying, making it and not just understand it. I feel it on a deep level because I'm living here and struggling here with the financial situation and the, how expensive it's got and the way to be able to have a decent sized place. You have to shem you have to move far away from everything, and it's a very difficult challenge. So I, that part, I totally feel it and see the need to work on that. That's like an emergency for the people living here and the people wanting to come live here. But at the same time. Like, how do we like see this kibbutz goliath manifesting? Like, is it going to be miraculous, or is it also through practical um, developments? Is it through building connections globally? Are we talking to all these people? Please explain a bit more, because okay, yeah, what I've learned and there's a lot was, of questions. Um, sure, yeah. I learned it was a process, basically. So very non-metaphysical, very practical steps leading up towards something great. Um, there will come a time where we're going to be feeling something inside of our brain that we could have never imagined we could feel 
Um, that's I guess like the peak of the Mota Mashiach these um, yeah. these days of the Mashiach. But leading up to then, I like to reference the Gemara that says, um, I believe if I'm right, the right wording, It's saying there's no real practical difference between the times of the Messiah and before the times of the Messiah, except for the yoke of the nations is off of our shoulders. Wow. Um, so I, that's why I look at this as a geopolitical operation. You know, we have 100 million people around the world that are looking towards Israel to say, we want to come in, we want to be involved. And now we have so many middlemen standing in between us and them. And so I see this as, um, you know, in the Bitcoin, blockchain, Web3 world as a decentralization that's going to happen. Where whatever ruling powers are currently in the world right now who don't have vested interests in spreading uh, love and freedom. and Well, like that you know, guy in, uh, what's it called? Da- Zadoff? Dazoff? Looks like some evil character from James Bond. What's his name? Uh... Oh, <laughs> They keep throwing him around. It's like some horror movie or uh, action movie evil character. What's his name, that guy? Uh, you also slipped my mind. Good. We'll forget his name. But he's standing there and, like, you know, po- stroking the cat. like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Saying how, you know, you don't need to have wealth. You don't need to have happiness. You know, we'll basically tell you what you need. You know, that's basically what he's saying. Yeah, so I think we're being messed with for the yeah. benefit of other people's um, power. power and for-profit yeah. enterprises. And once we get into the reality that we have enough uh, resources and technology today to actually liberate us and to make sure people don't feel that financial stress and that financial um, suffering and torture that most of the humans in the world are going through today, is simply just cutting out some of the some of the systems that are you know using us to. Um, to survive and you know it sounds so lofty what i'm saying but i actually foresee a very practical roadmap of how we can get there of how do we get to this decentralization leveraging these 100 million people and uh it comes down to i think uh technology that's coming out of israel the technology we're producing and shemitah the sabbatical year we're finishing oh, up right now i was going to mention that i just got an esrog yesterday but my son brought it home and uh kedusha shrius esrog i was so excited it's a big deal and it looks beautiful and he got one for himself. It's better than the usual ones we get the rest of the time. So he pan-picked it, you know. It's very fortunate, man. Yeah. Um, because we also teach that uh, in the Gemara, it says that after the year of Shemitah is the year Ben David comes, a messianic year. And so I was always thinking, what's the connection to Shemitah and the whole thing? Mostly Shemitah, Ben David Bo. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so, you know, being a farmer, a landowner. Yeah, Shona Shvies. The Loshan is that. I think it's Shvies. Mostly Shvies. Ben David Bach. A good memory, you know, I, I said I had one at one point. I don't know if I still have one. <laughs> uh, I don't sleep enough to have a good memory. So, <laughs> so basically. Um, Ask Hashem. <laughs> that's it. Um, being a landowner in Israel, yeah. um, I just had the Shemitah year. And what can't I be involved in during the Shemitah year? Really, yeah. what I can't be involved in is the repercussions of the curse of Adam and Eve. If the curse of Adam and Eve was that you have to sweat from your brow to work the land, I can't be involved in that this year. Uh-huh. I can't work the land, so I'm, uh-huh. out, I'm out of the curse. Like uh-huh. Whatever was put on him to be a curse, I'm not involved in this year. Uh-huh. And that's why we call it a Shabbat for the land. Shh. It's the same thing as Yom Kippur. What you once saw as something that was designed to be hard for you was actually, it just wants you to rest from being a body. Because your body has to work so hard to digest food and drink and oh. everything. Yeah. So it's actually a Shabbat for the body. That's an amazing way to, to internalize that. Exactly. So now that we're, there's so many different Shabbats. Now we're in Shabbat for the land on Shemitah. They also year. say the seventh month is a Shabbat as well, the whole Tishrei. Okay. 
It says uh, it says uh, in the in the capital of uh, that we say the Tehillim, the Psalms. It has a whole remez to Shabbos that the whole Chodesh Shvi is Shabbos because mm. it starts with Rosh Hashanah is like Lel Shabbos Yom Kippur is Shabbos in the morning with Kriyas Torah Kabbalah Torah and then and then Shalasudas is Sukkot third part of Shabbos is Sukkot and Simchas Torah is already back with the Raven. That's, and that's how Tishrei is like a Shabbos of the of the of the year. I love that. Especially yeah. I have a lot of Simchas Torah. Yeah. Most of my miracles and booms are all Simchas yeah. Torah based. So I like that. There, there's a remise to it in the Chadodi. Yeah. It says uh it says um Rosh Makedem, yeah. Nasukha. Rosh Makedem Nasukha. I just say it over to the camera. Rosh Makedem Nasukha, Rosh Makedem Self Master Machshavatila. So Marosh Makedem Nasukha, Rosh is Rosh Hashanah, Nakedem is Yom Kippur, that's getting us back to the original purity of the days of old, Yakedem. And Nasukha is obviously Sukkot, and that's the whole Chodesh, is Kabbalah Shabbos. And Sof Master Machshavat Tachila, that's Rabbi the Raven, that's Simchas Torah, that's the panemius of the, all the actions we're going to do now for the rest of the year is going to be coming from that, like you said, the first Machshavah, the inner thoughts, the inner awareness, the Rotson. So it goes up the Shabbos just like Tishrei goes up in levels, and it's we reach this like high moment on Simchas Torah. It's about to go there. We're about to journey into that. And every Shabbos, the Chadodi is is an experience of the of Tishrei, is an experience of all the Chagim. We're going into that light like a week, on a weekly level as well. So we're constantly tapped in. So that'll be another answer. How do we bring it into the rest of the year? Keep preparing for Shabbos every week. Yeah, and so. Okay, so carry on. Sorry, got excited. Um, no, listen, yeah. tangents are so beautiful as we see from the Gemara that uh, good yeah. tangents could be very healthy. Oh, we just have to be able to return back always. Uh, sure. So we're talking about returning the tribes. We had that big question. Well, right now, in particular, we're talking about not being able to be involved in the curse of Adam and Eve and then being oh, a landowner Shemitah. in Israel, yeah. which just has to do with it. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. One of my nicknames in Yeshiva was the Tangent Master because I was always very focused on returning exactly to the wow. sentence we left off on. Wow, wow, wow. I get very bothered if we're talking about something and then we talk about something. Not bothered, because obviously nothing bothers yeah. uh, should bother us. But then if we don't return back to the thing, it's like, did we, what are we even doing then? Like, okay. Are we having an intentional yes, conversation? I need you to come now every week <laughs> and keep me on yeah. my ADHD personality and exactly. keep me back onto the, the actual thread of conversation. Because if we don't return, it just feels like we're just rolling dice out here trying to figure out what to talk about and kill the time. It's like, no, no, we have something very important to discuss. And we're gonna... Okay, good. <laughs> So, um, so we've got like another, say, five minutes. Let's like really consolidate what you're... Perfect. I'll try to get this yeah. in the next minute and a half, and then Amazing. we can see where you want to take it from there. So Amazing. basically, um, on uh, being a landowner in Israel, there are certain things we can do to grow organic, healthy foods on the Shemitah year, um, according to Jewish law, which would be to growing off the soil, uh, let's say an aquaponics, you know, water-based system, uh, and in a, with a dome over it, covering from the sun, like a greenhouse dome. If you have a covering from the sun or you're off the soil, you can grow anything on the Shemitah year you want. So all of a sudden I see we're on Shabbat of the land, we're in the we're you know, we're out of the curse of Adonai, and we're growing food. Wow. And we know the Geula, the redemption's Yom Shekula Shabbat. It's an extended period of Shabbat. Wow. So I said if here's a candidate of how we could produce healthy, abundant foods using technology on the Shabbat year and the future is a great Shabbat. It seems likely this technology will be able to be carrying us, especially since a lot of the world's soils today are poisoned from pesticides and uh, chemicals. There's also food shortages in the world. To create a, a decentralization, to create a loyalty with these 100 million people, you don't have to convert, you don't have to come to Israel. Stay where you are, 
Israel has this technology today where they could drop a little pot out of a helicopter that unfolds and starts growing your water and put, putting electricity and go, greenhouses and we could create a, a situation of food abundance in the world very quickly if we just unite and put our brains together. And once there's food abundance, there's no real man who has the power to leverage his position on us and why he needs to be a middleman between us no and Bill our resources. Gates, or, Not necessary, Bill Gates. We're good. Yeah. Thank you. We have our food. We have some telemedicine. We got satellites. We're good. It's all good. And I think it could be an overnight decentralization. And that's why I think, you know, the technology of Shemitah is forcing us to think outside the box of how we can create a system of food abundance and not have to sweat for my brow anymore. My app is running my little wow. organic greenhouse where I have all wow. the nutrients and I'm a, I'm a healthy human. So that's why uh, the convergence of technology and uh, biblical prophecy in a way that's not metaphysical is my type of service of Hashem. But everyone's got their own way. Amazing. So if they go to your website, they'll find out steps how to do that you know, and be part of that? Yeah. RabbiHarry.com, you know, I give uh, I give all different thoughts about it. This is included in there, and they can follow up with me. Is there, is there like, pr uh, ways they can actually, like, say they live in Israel now, they want to get involved practically, they want to come move to a place where this is an opportunity? Has it has the has the steps been taken in terms of the technology and the companies? and the is that Yeah, existence? that's all, like, key, turnkey, ready to go. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm involved in a large network of these type of communities around the whole entire world. Oh, so wow. not just Israel. Wherever you are, if this is something you want to do, say, hey, I want to cash out. I can't live in this rat race anymore. I'm working so hard to not make enough money to buy poisonous food that's making my kids sick. It's like, what in the world's going on? This is horrible. Yeah. No problem. There are humans who are pulling out. And they're going off grid, and they're making wow. their own electricity, their own food, their own water. They're eating healthy, Amazing. they're thinking healthy, and it's creating healthy children. Wow! So this is really like high-level information that people need to know about. Um, so check it out at rabbiharry.com. Please check it out. Give a shout out if you heard it from our class. So just so we get some affiliate notifications. Doesn't have to be money-wise, but at least like as the acknowledgement that you heard it here first, if you heard it here first, if you heard it second, and now finally actually did something about it, go tell Harry, Rabbi Harry, and remember, let other people know about this. Yeah, there'll be one other people to know. The For more sure. awareness, the better. You know, how many of my friends during the last few years of Corona moved out of the city and bought a land place with a huge area of land so they could plant their own food and have their kids play in the garden and not worry about, you know, the restrictions and, and negative energy that was going on online and they took away their big giant TVs and stopped. Nothing to do with religion, just because of just needing to purify their life. For How sure. many of my friends? It's like a majority of them, I think, now have done it. And the beautiful thing yeah. is that is what religion is, because our Shem wants us to be happy and enjoy ourselves on this planet. Yeah. So retroactively, you know, somehow you find God just by making sure you have good mental health. Amazing. So we're going to end off with uh, just a, a mention of the Parsha Nitzavim. Nitzavim is, a, is hinted to in the Torah about Kibbutz Goliath gathering. It's a gathering of all the souls, you know, but getting us ready for Hayom, for the big day, for Yomotsu Mashiach, Rosh Hashanah. There's a, a big preparation for this holy time is the ingathering of exiles. That's Parsha Nitzavim. And it's also brought down that the previous three Parshas are also connected to Yomotsu Mashiach for the days of the Messiah. Connected that we crown the king, Pasha Shoftim, and Kisese Mochama, Machias Amalek, and Pasha's Kisavo, the Mokhama Migdash. So we have within the four Pashas that we're in right now a tremendous deep connection to Rosh Hashanah. And how does it manifest Rosh Hashanah and Moshe Mashiach? Shia Moles, Ma'amakim, Karasikha Hashem, Ma'amakim is Rosh Tabas, Melech, Mikabes Yisrael, 
Mokim and and Mechias Amalek. Yeah. So we have within it in the word Memakim, Shamalas, from the depths of our soul, we're calling out to Hashem to get rid of the Amalek, to crown a king, to return back to Israel, and we're screaming out on Rosh Hashanah and throughout the ten days of repentance, Memakim from this deep place. And we hope we'll be able to do another class. <coughs> uh, might be a Monday edition during the 10 days just because of the busyness of Rosh Hashanah. Next week is Rosh Hashanah, so we won't be having a class. The 89th class will not be during uh, Rosh Hashanah week. It will likely be Erev Yom Kippur, but not Mamish Erev Yom Kippur, because that will be our double Amunah Tuesday usually. It will be on a Monday because we don't want to go into Erev Yom Kippur having to do a class. We want to go on a Monday where we have work and we're here fully. We can do a full class. I don't know if we'll do two that day, maybe just the one during the 10 days of Tshuva. So it'll be a special uh, Monday fun day, one time off experience. I don't know who the guest is, as always. It was always last minute. Been working on bringing Rabbi Harry for a while and Baruch Hashem, he's a busy man. And check him out. We thank him again. And we're still davening. Maybe he can help us make this happen. For Lachaim OG, we'd love to bring him to the studio. We'd love to bring Admari Stodmeyer to the studio. These are your friends. Nisim Bokhashem has been here many times. Rudy Rochman has been here. Um, Judah Michelle still didn't make it. Jody Rosenf- Joey Rosenfeld is likely to come also after the Chag. He's, he's a more likely guest uh, in, the, in the next few weeks. But the other ones we're still predominating will be blessed to have and bring them together, hopefully with Rav. And if you come back, hopefully it'll be a time where the Rav is here himself so you can meet Rav Orish himself. It's a much uh, bigger light than myself. And uh, you can meet with Dain Elgrad as well, who translates in a whole nother level. All you guys out there, remember, Munatour 2022 is coming to you in New York. All the people in the US and, and Central America and even maybe South America are welcome to fly in. Special to meet with the Rav. It's still open opportunities. The time's available. We've only filled up a few spots. So there's definitely a lot of um, work to be done in the coming few weeks to make sure you know about this and your friends know about this and make it happen. Munatour 2022. It's a big deal. The Rav's going to be in New York and available. Thank God. We'll have some classes to be announced soon. And at MunaLive.com, we're going to keep getting this growing with your help. And thank God, as I said, this is the 88th class. Thank you again for Rabbi Harry Rosenberg for joining us. Any last word before we uh, sign off, like a minute or so? Uh, sure. I'll just share my favorite Rabbi Nachman teaching. Great, please do. Um, Rabbi Nachman says, just uh, what creates uh, heat, basically, is movement. So he says, um, just like, you know, if you bend the metal back and forth, it creates this heat. So the same thing movement of the mind creates a heat in the higher levels and the constellations so as our mind moves just like in science everything is parallel there is heat being created somewhere where in the mazalot in the higher levels and so what i was talking about before people selling themselves short you don't even want enough to start to think about the things that you really want from yourself and from the mashiach in the world and you don't even realize somewhere far away you're going to create a cause and effect that can come down uh, so I'm just trying to give very user-friendly advice because we don't have so much strength anymore to really fight and to do it. But to think a, a few thoughts, we have we could still do that. Guys. Positive yeah. thoughts, yeah. We've got it, guys. Zamalakai Baudi. Rabbi Harry's giving you a beautiful advice. A little bit of good energy and thought can do a tremendous amount in our generation. Thank you so much for joining us for our 88th class. We wish everyone a Kasiba Chasima Tova, Kativa Chasima Tova, however you say it, a Shana Tova Matuka. And you too, Rabbi Harry, and your family, please God, should be blessed with success in everything you do. Amen. Amen. Everyone, um, let's say, Ashana Tava. That's it. Thank you.
Oh, no.